Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. This will also be the start of the Kettlecast Bubblecast, where I'll be covering the NBA's restart and looking at how the teams are doing that are inside the bubble, and also covering the Hawks, who unfortunately did not make it into the bubble. Without further ado, let's get into it. The NBA is back. We finally got the NBA season restarted, and games that mattered were played last night between the Pelicans, the Jazz, and the Lakers and the Clippers. But it's been a long journey for the NBA. Of course, they're one of the first leagues to take the coronavirus very seriously, suspending their season after uh, one of their players, Rudy Gobert, tested positive for coronavirus. And it's pretty interesting that we kind of come full circle and uh, Rudy Gobert provided the difference in the game between the Jazz and the Pelicans in the first game that was part of these seeding games that lead into the NBA playoffs that will hopefully culminate in crowning a champion for this season. Leading up to this has been a lot of hard work by the NBA. Uh, there was a lot of skepticism in their plan to restart the season when this idea of a bubble even came up. Um, the idea of getting a whole bunch of, of these young men together in one area and finishing the season that could end up taking three months if all these playoff rounds go to seven games is an extremely daunting task. And also with just the uh, coronavirus continuing to be a part of everyday life in the United States, if they were able to keep everyone healthy and get all the games in. But the NBA started by having their players show up on the wide world of sports campus down at Disney World in Orlando starting July 7th, 8th, and 9th. They caught a couple of corona people who had coronavirus in, during the quarantine period, but um, the last group of tests of over 300 players in the bubble returned zero positive tests, so the NBA has been very diligent and on top of that aspect of it. And that was able to result in us getting to see some, again, meaningful NBA games. Um, the NBA, you know, had the guys come early. The teams went through a little bit of a mini camp, and then there were each team got three scrimmage games. Um, if you watched any of the scrimmage games, it was not the highest NBA caliber action, and teams are still figuring out who's going to be part of the rotations. Some teams had players who opted out of coming to the bubble but um, getting to see actual NBA basketball really important games I think the game between the Pelicans and Jazz in particular last night had real effects on if the Pelicans can make the playoffs and the Pelicans were sort of the impetus for more than 16 teams coming to the bubble Um, Adam Silver ultimately decided to have 22 teams come down to Orlando instead of just the 16 and get right into the playoffs. I thought that they should limit how many people that go down to the bubble and just start with the 16 teams and get right into the playoffs. But after seeing even the two seeding games yesterday, I think that they made the right decision in allowing these teams to get some scrimmages in. These eight games will allow all these teams to really ramp up, shake a little bit of rust off and really get ready. Um, I think there's some of the teams in the bubble right now that 
shouldn't be there. The Wizards, uh, the Suns, the Kings. Um, I, you, you, I don't think these teams really are going to compete, even maybe some of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. But after watching the games last night, and they were super entertaining, both games had big leads that were went back and forth between the teams that were playing. But there were a lot of turnovers. It was very rusty basketball. And that doesn't even starting to get into the fact that there's no fans. The NBA is doing a couple different things to try to make the experience more normal to those watching at home by having these huge screens um, next to the court that have virtual fans. And these virtual fans can are watching the game on Zoom. And I think they have like rows of three or four just bunches of fans and they're cheering. And it's not that weird, surprisingly, at least to me. It wasn't. It looked a little bit like there are people in the sidelines, but to see the benches for each team, um, when you're on a bench, the players are socially distanced. They're expected to sit in um, some assigned seating. And so instead of everybody being really close together, uh, the benches are very spread apart. Uh, Alvin Gentry, who coaches the Pelicans, wore his mask the entire game. And that was um, really interesting to see. He's one of the older coaches in the ranks of NBA head coaches and um, everybody, but the coaches are very aware that like older people could be more susceptible to the coronavirus and seeing Alvin Gentry wear his mask the entire time. If the coaches that sit on the bench, the assistant coaches are required to do so, but the head coaches aren't. Um, and Quinn Snyder was not wearing a mask. So it was really interesting to see Alvin Gentry wearing his to get into the game between the Pelicans and the Jazz, the Jazz ultimately ended up winning the game. Um, one of the big public, like public kind of disputes during this quarantine has been uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and if their relationship was hurt by the fact that again Rudy Gobert uh, was the first named person to uh, have the coronavirus. Uh, first NBA player and Donovan Mitchell ultimately had the coronavirus too um, and there was a rift in the relationship or the media had really talked about how maybe that had disrupted it and then in the biggest play of the game when the game was tied Donovan Mitchell drove down the lane was able to get two defenders on him and he passed it to Rudy Gobert who was either going to dunk it or get fouled and Derek Favors ended up fouling him Rudy Gobert made the two free throws and they ended up beating the Pelicans by those two points so I thought that was really big for the Jazz. The Jazz are trying to find their way after losing Boyan Bogdanovich who had his season ending surgery. Um, A real offensive threat for the Jazz and uh, a lot of questions about how they would fill that offensive void. The Jazz had a pretty even production of points during this game. Um, Gobert had 14 points Donovan had 20 points. Mike Connolly had 20 points. And then uh, they got 23 points from Jordan Clarkson, who they had just got in a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers for Dante Exum almost right before the season was suspended. Um, I was really impressed by Jordan Clarkson's play during this game. He gives them a threat, just somebody who can create their own shot, get to the basket, and he had a couple nice passes. When he played for both the Lakers and the Cleveland Cavaliers, he very much felt like a a gunner and someone who was just trying to get their own 
points. Um, the Cavs weren't a very good team, and the Lakers he was on briefly with uh, LeBron James, I think, but he was also I, the Lakers before LeBron James came were not a very good team. So to see Jordan Clarkson kind of accept his role um, as not one of the top two guys on the court when he's on the court, but really uh, embrace his role of a scorer on the offensive end. It was something that the Jazz desperately needed. There still were stretches where the offense wasn't very good for the Jazz. And for them to have a scorer off the bench like Jordan Clarkson is huge for them. Um, Rudy Gobert, like I said, had 14 points. He also chipped in 12 rebounds and three blocks. The Pelicans really had no answer for Gobert in the middle. Um, The Pelicans have sort of gone a little bit small with Zion being a center. They also have Derek Favors, who did not have his best game. Um, was not like particularly recognizable as you know a Derek Favors, who's usually really smart around the basket and a very good defender. And then Jackson Hayes is just not ready yet. He is super tall, super springy rookie center, but he just um, can get into a lot of foul trouble. He had some bright spots in this game, but he just there was nothing in the middle for the Pelicans, and the Pelicans really needed to win this game to try to get into the playoffs. With 22 teams coming back into the bubble, the NBA created sort of a uh, mechanism for these teams that aren't in the top eight of their conference to possibly get into the playoffs. You don't have to be the eighth seed if you are the ninth seed, but you are within four games in the standings of the eighth seeded team in your conference, they're having a play-in tournament. And in that play-in tournament, um, the eighth seed and ninth seed will play each other. If the ninth seed wins, they will play each other again, and the um, eighth, the ninth place team has to win both of those games to get into the playoffs and then face the number one seed in whichever conference they're in. And the Pelicans with Zion are kind of right on the cusp of being able to fulfill that requirement and getting the win on the first night of these seeding games would have been huge for that opportunity for the Pelicans but they just they got a big lead they built a huge lead in the second quarter and then they were not able to hold that lead in the third quarter they did keep the lead but the lead was cut from 13 um, down to about eight and then the Jazz were really able to chip away um Donovan Mitchell was fantastic for the Jazz down the stretch. He gets a little um, trigger happy, I think, in games a little bit. He ended up shooting 6 of 14 from the field. He was 2 of 4 from three-point land. He had five rebounds, five assists, and three steals. Um, but I feel he can force it a little bit. They, The Jazz, I think they may be one team that benefits also from this um, to suspension of the team of the season uh because i think mike Connolly had not gotten off to the start he wanted to as a jazz he uh, of course came over from the memphis grizzlies at the beginning of the season and he just hadn't had the impact that many thought he would have for the jazz and he was able to turn in a very nice game 20 points four assists only two turnovers a steal and a block he wasn't great shooting seven of 16 but really with Gobert, Conley, Jordan Clarkson, and Mitchell um, contributing, the Jazz were able to get just enough offense to beat 
the Pelicans. This was a disappointing game from the Pelicans, especially they had a little bit of a slow start. They built a huge lead in the second quarter and weren't able to win the game. The last play of the game, I thought Alvin Gentry drew up a nice play. He clearly had a couple screens set up for J.J. Redick to have a three-point attempt at the top of the key. The ball went into Brandon Ingram. Um, Ingram looked, J.J. was open, but Ingram decided to do a pull-up three himself. The shot uh, went in and out. Um, I think I would trust J.J. a little bit more, but Brandon Ingram has been one of the most improved players all year. It was a good shot. I mean, it went in and out. It wasn't He didn't brick it or anything, but um, that could end up being a huge mystery pointer for the Pelicans. Uh, they're still on the very beginning of their rebuild. Of course, it's been accelerated with Zion, Brandon Ingram himself, and Lonzo Ball. But uh, it's got to be a huge disappointment for the Pelicans. And it's also a disappointing game. Zion only got to play 15 minutes. He's had to leave the bubble and come back in. And for him to only be able to play 15 minutes, especially after this uh, big break in the middle of the season, is a little bit of a disappointment for me. It just a lot of these guys have had the opportunity to stay in shape, have used this opportunity to build the conditioning, and um, obviously it's still Zion's year 19 season, um, his first season, but this is his 20th game he's played, and he wasn't able to be in the lineup for the uh, Pelicans at the end of the game, and that really hurts when your best player or one of your best players is not able to play. Going to the Lakers versus Clippers, the Lakers ended up winning in exciting fashion. LeBron James uh, making a shot with 12 seconds to go, and then Paul George not uh, able to hit a three-pointer that would have won the Clippers the game. This was another game that had big swings. The Lakers got up by a ton, and the Clippers were able to work their way back into the game. Um, one thing that worries me, even though the Lakers got a win, is there's a lot of Dion Waiters involvement. Of course, the Lakers and Clippers are already assured to be in the playoffs, and um, seeding matters a little bit, but the Lakers are pretty much set in that number one seat. There's not really home court advantage. Um, and to see Dion Waiters be so assertive early um, – and to continue to kind of think that he is the best player on the court, even when he's on the court with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, is hilarious. Uh, Deion Waiters, of course, has played with LeBron before briefly for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and um, he was very important for the Lakers. He had some very effective minutes, was able to score some tough baskets. I was really impressed with his uh, offense, but um, you're never going to get the great defense with um, Deion Waiters the last shot for LeBron James was not an easy shot in fact he took a very difficult shot and missed it before following getting his own rebounds and, and putting the shot in to go up to where the Lakers ended up winning 103 to 101 um, Anthony Davis had a much better game he was able to uh, lead the game in scoring despite not hitting a lot of shots on the field. He got to the free throw line a ton, and the Clippers just really had no answer. The Clippers were without Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Lou Williams, of course, left the bubble for his father's funeral. 
there was a picture of him on social media at Magic City, which is a Atlanta gentleman's club. And um, despite saying he only went there to get chicken wings, uh, the NBA said he was going to have to have 10 days quarantine and they were not going to risk the safety and the, um, you know, the viability of this bubble on Lou Williams saying that he only got chicken wings. Um, so mi- missing Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams is a huge shot for the Clippers because they're going to need those guys. Without them, there's a lot of Reggie Jackson, and it just affects their whole rotation when you lose two guys, especially Montrezl Harrell, who might have been able to box out LeBron James on that last possession. Now, going into today, there are a couple of good games and a couple of really bad games. I think maybe the worst game of the entire bubble, Suns versus Wizards, is today. Uh, the Wizards really were the are the only Eastern team that's not in the playoffs right now that got invited to the bubble, and their best player, Bradley Beal, decided to sit out, and then their um, best player off the bench, Davis Bertans, decided to sit out as well. Um, Bertans specifically, I think, because he's going to be a free agent and wants to protect his what he could possibly earn this summer. And then Bradley Beal, I think, just felt like it was not worth it for him to go down to Orlando. The Wizards basically have to win out um, to get into this play-in against either the Orlando Magic or the Nets. Of course, the Nets have also been really uh, destroyed by the people that they have had sit out. DeAndre Jordan decided not to come down to the bubble. Of course, they don't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Um, They also had Wilson Chandler decide not to come down. And Spencer Dinwiddie was not able to get recover from the coronavirus to come down to the bubble. So the Nets will be heavily leaning on Karis LeVert going into this. But uh, the Wizards are playing the Suns, and the Suns are also the lowest Western Conference team. So they also have to sort of win out. Um, and so this is a de facto knockout game. It'll be really interesting for these teams that are not – in the playoffs or really don't have a chance to make it after these first couple t- uh, games, how they perform. Because if the Wizards go 0-2, if the Suns go 0-2, some of these teams, I don't really know what they're playing for. Hopefully they'll get to show a lot of the young guys and get them experience. But it'll be that's something to look forward to, and I'm not sure how the NBA is going to handle that. Now the Nets, talking about them, play the Magic. It's very important for these two teams that are 7-8 um, and eight to – get a win and sort of stave off that Wizards team if the Wizards are somehow able to put together uh, a winning streak of some sort. Um, the Magic have been playing better basketball of late, and they're as close as any team to ha- being in their home court. I mean, it's the Orlando Magic. This bubble is happening in Orlando. The Nets are relying a lot on guys that they didn't play with during the regular season. They have uh, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, uh, Josh Allen, the fro. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team goes forward. Um, they're relying on some of their younger guys as well. Uh, and some of guys that they've picked up, Jamal Crawford is supposed to make his debut in these seeding games as well. Um, the Grizzlies are playing the Blazers. 
The Blazers are in a very interesting spot because they are one team kind of like the Jazz that probably benefited from the suspension of the season. They lost their starting center, Nurkic, and also their starting power forward, Zach Collins, at the beginning of the season. And they would not have been able to get them back and really had a disappointing season going forward without those two key players. Now with the restart, they're able to get both those players back, and they are in the ninth spot right now. And they are trying to move up and trying to challenge the Grizzlies and maybe get that playing game or, you know, maybe make it so that they don't have to play in the playing game. Uh, the Grizzlies would have to really do poorly for there at least not to be a play-in. But it starts with seeing if the Blazers can knock off the Grizzlies today. Uh, the Celtics play the Bucks today. This is a possible second-round matchup in the Eastern Conference. Both teams very good. The Bucks have championship aspirations. I think the Celtics are one tier down from them. Tatum has been playing really well. Of course, Brown and Gordon Hayward even have been playing well. Kimball Walker has not. Kimball Walker has been hampered by injury ever since the All-Star break. Um, and it'll be uh, something to watch. You know, Do these teams come out and really try to win these seeding games? The Bucks are kind of so far ahead in the number one seed that these don't really matter. But our team's going to ramp up. Um, or teams going to take it, uh, really try to play well at the beginning and then ease into the playoffs. But that Bucks celtics could be the game of the day uh, today, Friday the 31st. The Kings play the Spurs. These are two bottom of the West teams. I would kind of think of this as another knockout, pseudo-knockout game. If the Spurs lose, surely they, they will not be able to make the playoffs. And then the Kings um, are in the same range as kind of the Pelicans and Blazers. So if they're able to get a win and get a little momentum, they could possibly make the play-in, but it all starts with having to get a win in their first game. Finally, the last game of the day is the Rockets versus the Mavericks. These are two playoff teams, um, two teams that are kind of in different positions, places with Harden and Westbrook, both trying to get into the championship and uh, really want to win now, and the Mavericks are at the beginning of their window with Luka getting his first taste of the playoffs. It'll be really fun to see Luka play again. He's just a player I really enjoy watching. And so seeing the Mavs play against a really small Rockets team should be a great way to end the night. Um, It's been so good to see basketball again, uh, especially even just a slight increase from the scrimmages to actual seeding games. Um, The NBA, again, had no positive tests in their last round of tests and so what they're doing in the bubble seems to be working and hopefully they'll be able to turn this uh, season and and crown a champion now for the eight teams that didn't make the playoffs or didn't get invited to the bubble I should say they've also been known as the delete eight Um, the NBA is working for a way to see if they can get them some games there's been some talk of a second bubble that would be in Chicago um or just some way to get them some scrimmages so that those players just don't have a huge break in between the end of their season effectively in March and when this next season would start, which point all things point to being December of this year. Um, of course, that includes our Hawks, who have had some very exciting developments, but um, also I think the most disappointing that we don't get to see them again this season that we will talk about going forward. But... I cannot say how happy I am about the NBA being back just to basically get 
two weeks going forward of just like kind of a professional AAU feel of just games all day. Um, and we will continue talking about the games and the progress in the bubble and also talk about what's going on with the Hawks outside the bubble going forward. Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me, Forrest Willoughby, at kettlecast at gmail.com. And if you could leave a rating or review on whatever site you use to get your podcast, that would be a huge help to me. Go Hawks!